0: The topic today is called Asking the Right Questions. Um, We can ask so many questions, where, why, who, when, how, and I think every one of us asks those questions sometimes and for different reasons. Um, Obviously, we're not talking about just asking questions generally. But more specifically, asking questions of God, right? I mean, what are what we're talking about? We're we're trying to figure out what do we do if we have a question? What do I do if I have a question? And there are many people in, like in the Bible, who had questions for God. Um, I think every one of them, every one of those questions was legitimate. Okay, when we have a question, what do we often ask God? You've never asked God a question? No one? Why? Thank you. Anything else? That's the biggest one. When? Okay. Anything else? Who? Okay we're gonna go through all of them. (laughs) Okay why what, when what, who what? Someone give an example of a why question. Something significant? If you have something personal, fine. If not, that's okay. What questions do you hear? Why what? Such and such happen. Why did this happen? Do we sometimes ask, why did this happen to me? Or why did this happen to someone I love? Someone I'm close to? Uh, why is this person ill? With a serious disease? A terminal illness? Why... Have people alienated, et cetera? We'll go th- yes? Valid questions? Yeah, why? Valid question. Okay, how about the. Who was it who said uh, when? Someone here? Don't get shy. And, sorry? A short time, tell us. When you say when, what sort of question? What, when what? Lovely, thank you. When am I going to hear back about the job interview? When am I actually going to find where I'm heading in life? Right, we finished school and we kind of, we're kind expected to know everything about where we're going in life, our career choices, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, um, what's our plan B if this, that or the other doesn't work out. Valid question. Lord, when? When am I going to know? When do I do this or that? Okay. Good, should we go through the rest? No, move on. Okay, so here's the question. Often we ask, why? And it's a very significant question because it's a very personal question. Lord, why is this happening? But from what I've seen, say in the New Testament, the only one who ever asks why is God, our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an example of the rich young ruler, Uh, in Mark 10 and Luke 18, where uh, this man comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus asks him, why do you call me good? Yes? Everyone's familiar with that? Jesus asks why. Okay? We've read this passage, we've all read this passage before about St. Paul's conversion, yes? Book of Acts. We're going to read it together again though, and I hope we can see, because there are questions asked. There are multiple questions asked in that passage. All right, so I want to kind of share with you. If you have a Bible, please open it. So let's start in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9. From the beginning of the chapter. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, sent to the high priest and asked letters for him from him, sorry, to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any of those who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, What do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, sorry, when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there, He was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming to him and putting his hand on him uh, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind them all who call on on your name. And the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. Kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hand on him, he said, "Brother Saul, excuse me, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and filled and be filled with the Holy Spirit." Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he recovered his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent, days with the dis- spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. We'll stop there. There's a reason I read that whole part. There's a reason I read the whole part. So there are two questions asked. What are they? Paul asks, Saul asks two questions. What are they? Sorry? Who what? Who are you, you, Lord? Thank you, that's the first question. And the second question? What do you want me to do? do? Two questions. God God asks him why, and his first question is, who are you? Good. Why is that relevant? Why is that relevant? Let's just think for a moment. When we ask God, God, why did this happen? It means we come with an idea of who God is and then I kind of say, wait a second, what just happened doesn't fit with who I know God to be. Correct? That's why I say why. Yes? True? Not true? True. Okay. And that's the reason I'm asking why. Meaning, if someone is unwell, if someone passes away early, if someone, only those things. In my mind, I think, well, God is good. Why would he allow this to happen? Yes? So I have an idea of who God is. What's happened has presented me with a bit of a conflict, so I'm asking why. But St. Paul doesn't ask why. St. Paul kind of says, okay, Saul or Paul, etc. At the time, he had two names. One was his... Uh, Jewish name, what was his Roman name? Yeah? Um, and so he asks God, he doesn't say, why did you do this to me? He says, wait a second. If you've done something I don't expect, I need to ask, well, who are you then? Do I really know you? Does that make sense? Good. All right, so that's, that's our first Passage to think about, and if you notice at the end, what does he do? The last verse I read. He eats, he's baptized, his vision is restored, and then, sorry, Michael. He preaches what? Is the son of God. That, can you just read it word for word? What is it? Immediately he preached that Christ and God that he is the Son of God. Immediately he preached that he is the Son of God. So, what question does he answer? The who question. Something to keep in mind. Saul was clearly doing the wrong thing. He was slaughtering the Christians, yes? Did he think he was doing the wrong thing? No. In his mind, he thought, no, what are you talking about? These people of the way, they're interrupting the truth of the Torah. It's just, it's completely wrong. So in his mind, his intentions were to do what's right. God stopped him and said, wait wait a second. He asks him, Saul, why are you doing what you're doing? His response is, wait a second, I thought you were the one who told me to do it. Who are you? Maybe I don't really know you. Make sense? Okay. We're going to take another example from the Gospels. this time from the Gospel of Luke. So Saul asks, who are you, Lord? We'll take an example from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke eighteen. Again, I'll let you pull it up. This person is different. This person
1: uh,
0: is not a learned man. He's not, you know, an educated person. He's not one of the Pharisees, like Paul was but listen to what he, he says about Christ and what he says to Christ. Okay. So from 38, yeah? Or just before that, from 35. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, as Jesus was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. Not the glamorous Paul, yeah? No one you would stop and talk to. You might even ignore them walking by and not leave them anything. Yeah? And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. Meaning, what's going on? I can't see, there's lots of noise, am I missing something? So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Statement, not question, yeah? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, It's not okay to be saying things like, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, because Son of David is, is the title of the Messiah. It's like, shh, are you, did you not hear what the Pharisees said last week in the, in the temple? Like, you're blind, do you want to get killed? Like, what's, do you, do you have, like, no problems in life? You don't need any more problems? You, you, you're happy? So the people warned him, saying, don't say that. And what's his response? he screams loud. Yeah? Okay. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded, to be brought, commanded him to be brought to him. So someone must have brought him to Jesus, yes? Similar to Saul, he was taken by the hand, people led him into Damascus, yeah? Okay. And when he had come near, he asked him saying, what do you want me to do for you? Big statement in case you haven't noticed, yeah? What do you want me... is God saying, what do you want? Is there, would anyone here like ask God to ask me that question? I, I would. Yeah? He says, what do you want me to do for you? Like tell me or, or any, any, anything you need? So he replies. And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God what's the difference between this man who has no name in the gospel of Luke and Saul it's not a true question anything anything Luke wrote Luke and Acts. Okay, it's the same author. What's the difference between these two people? One, he has no name. Saul has two names. Okay? You'll hear it said that Saul's name before his conversion is Saul. Later it becomes Paul. True, that's how it's presented in the book of Acts. And it's, a, it's, it's deliberate because Luke is trying to tell you with a change of name comes a change of life. Like in the Old Testament with Jacob becoming Israel, etc. But Paul had two names. He's a Roman citizen, Paul. He's also Saul as a Jew, yeah? No name for this man. What else? Okay, he was on the wayside. All right, yeah? Say more, Michael. He's on the wayside. Okay, he's not persecuting the Christians. What does he say to Christ? He tells him who he is. Son of David, have mercy on me. He knows who Jesus is. And what's our Lord's response? What do you want me to do for you? You know who I am. And you've come here, and he's genuine. Both those people were genuine. Paul came in with a genuine understanding. He he genuinely thought he was doing the right thing. God stopped him, told him, what on earth are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? He stops him, so that he can ask, who are you, Lord? Because he doesn't know who the Lord is. This man knows who Jesus is. He tells him, I know who you are the son of David, and he says to him, oh, well, yeah, what do you want? What can I do for you? Anything you want. So this is the question. This is where we begin most of the time. Why is this happening? When are things going to get better? What do I do? St. Luke is basically giving us that message. He's saying, maybe stop and ask, who are you, Lord? Every one of us comes into the church with their own brokenness. They come here with maybe being rejected, being hurt, being upset, uh, feeling that others have harmed us or wronged us. And we ask God, why? And that's okay, except when God asks why, or when you hear the why in the book of Acts, the why is meant to lead to the next question to say, okay, wait a second. Here is what I thought I knew about you, God, and this is strange, it doesn't fit what I thought I knew, so I can ask you why, or I can ask you, well, wait a second, maybe I got it wrong in the first place, I don't know who you are. Make sense? So this is the question. If we turn our why to who are you, Lord, perhaps many, 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 many things in our lives would be different. Someone like Paul got his hands dirty. It wasn't just, oh yeah, this is nice. This is a nice, uh, this is a nice thing to go by. Oh yeah, I know about Jesus. He lived it. He yeah, actually says later on, he says, "It's I will show him. I will show him how much he will suffer for my name." It's not. It's not like this easy thing. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I know you, Jesus. No, there's a price to pay. That's all. That's all. Um, I don't know, it's just hopefully just, just a simple question it's not meant to be complicated but I don't know maybe if, are there any comments queries, questions can we maybe think together about how we can stop ask ourselves the questions that bother us and think about them differently would anyone like to share anything? That's okay? Yes, sir? He's asking why, um, let's say, if you're asking why is this happening, as we as Christians, isn't that kind of contradicting our faith in a way that we just don't believe in Him in the first place? Ah, oh, good question. So the, I'm just repeating for the for those who are on live stream. The question was, if, us, if I ask why, if I ask God why, doesn't that really contradict the whole point of faith? It means, meaning I don't have faith to, to, to accept what God has given me. Yeah, that's your question? What's your name? Uh, Corollis. Thank you, Corollis. But what if by me asking why, I can then stop and say, okay, wait a second. I can ask you, who are you, Lord? And that can be the beginning of my journey to faith. Do you know what I mean? So this is the thing. It's not about what I ask, it's why I ask it. I can come and say, Lord, why did you do this? This is really upsetting and I can't believe you did this to me God and you know I just, this is just too much and I walk away from God and from church or I can say why Lord like what why but I really want to know you like Saul Saul coming with, with his intentions in the right place God directed him so that's okay The trouble is when we come trying to justify what we're doing and what we're thinking and what we're saying and then therefore saying, God, why did you do that to me? Like I'm the victim. Does that make sense for So put it this way. How much control do you have over your life, Kouros? 10%? 10%, How much? Physically, 100%. 100%. Cool, that's a bold claim. Say more. Physically, you have 100% control okay i could kill myself if, especially if you drive a car for example yeah. okay hopefully not no just rationally touch yeah. wood okay all right I did, like i know this is not a christian answer but if you're running with me i'll tell you that i know when i'm i don't know when i'm gonna die god knows when i'm gonna die mm. so basically if you're answering in a christian way i don't really have like, God gave us the freedom to have the choice yeah. to do what we ever want. But at the end of the day, we, we can't have a destined fate that was already written for us. But no. Okay. But in the end of the day, I kind of make my own decisions. Okay. Like, if I think about it, it's like a, a group of ants falling off a cliff. Yes. And they're just following each other, following each other. Mm-hmm. You're just watching. They're going to die at the end of the day. But you're not telling the ant. They're just making their own decisions. But you know, they're going to they end, they end. They are at the end of the day. Okay, but, but here's the question here. Is there a Christian answer and then a logical answer? Well, to other people there is. Oh, from what I've seen. Maybe, but, but let me ask you, my, my question to you is, how much control do you have over your life? So, for example, um, did you choose the day you were born? No. Did you choose the day you will die? No. no. Do, are you going to choose or know that you can drive out of here and make sure that no one crosses a red light when they shouldn't and hit your car? No. So if we're honest with ourselves, we have a lot less control over our lives than we like to think. Fair? So why then do we suddenly ask God why when just another one of those things happens that we don't have any control over? Does that make sense? The question of fate is a whole other question. But if I'm looking at where I am now and the things that have happened or not happened in my life, I can look and say, God, why did these happen? In a, in, in a way to do what the disciples did when they told him, Lord, increase our faith. Meaning, Lord, I want to know you. I want to, I want to know who you are, but I'm having a hard time here. That's okay. It's a problem if we decide, you know, this is just all, you know, forget about God, forget about religion, forget about faith. It's all a complete it's all nonsense because all of this happened to me. Does that make sense? But I'm, but I'm also not saying if you come with a brokenness you're, you're being a sook. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if you come here with a brokenness well every one of us does too and we have to ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves are we, are we actually ready to face the answer when God says who He is? Because St. Paul a Price he asked him who are you Lord and the answer was You'll see. Not you'll see and like I'm not with you. It's you will see who I am. St. Paul, there's he a big price to pay in suffering, etc. Touch wood, not for everyone. But, but it's just the whole idea of why we ask. It's okay to ask in genuine, a genuine request to know who God is. It's a problem if we say why, to justify our lives and the way we're doing things, to say, see, See, God's not fair. Is that helpful? Yeah. Thank you. Any other comment, question, concern? Abraham. Yes, ibn
1: In the book of Jeremiah, he talks about the same thing as you say. Mm-hmm. In the book of Jeremiah, he says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet let me walk with you about your judgment, for who does the way? of the wicked prosper why are those happy who deal so treacherously yes so as you said like when the person is questioning god here why is he making those people who are unrighteous they are success they are successful in their life while those who follow him they are not successful in life so again it is a point of faith as well
0: yeah yeah And, and and in many ways there are no answers to those questions like or well, maybe even in that question, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Good question. We hear all the time. Doesn't it have an assumption? What's the assumption inbuilt in that? If I say, why do bad things happen to good people? What's the assumption? <coughs> Sorry, Damina? The assumption is that good things only happen to good people. Okay. That's the conclusion, kind of like the, the corollary. But what's the, what's the, what am I assuming by saying... Why do bad things happen? So I'm saying that I'm saying that bad things happen to good people. What am I assuming? You're assuming that only good things should happen to them. Uh, Maybe I'm assuming I know that they're good. True. If I say why do bad things happen to good people, I'm assuming Michael here is a good person. So why are bad things happening to him? God, that's not fair. We love you, Michael. (laughs) But do you see what I'm saying? Like it's actually it's the wrong question to ask Because I don't know the life of that person, no one does. Only God knows their heart. You may say they look good on the outside, good, very nice, but the question is invalid because I don't know their heart. Is that helpful? Okay, another question. Carlos. Okay, so, so the assumption is that something that I consider bad, whether or not it actually is bad. That's, that's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. That's another, yeah. yeah. So that's another flaw in the question. Who decides what's good and what's bad? In that scenario, I've decided. Fine. But am I correct? I don't know. I might be, I might not be. Yes. Yeah, I just have a, just a comment. Please, please. Related. Go ahead.
1: But, um. I always find it interesting when people say uh, that comment where they say, "Why do bad
0: things happen to good people?" Mm. Well, Jesus had it pretty bad, and one could say he's the most good person that ever existed on this planet. So that's kind of my rebuttal. Okay. Good. Yeah. Nice. Fair point. Thank you. So the question is invalid and it's wrong. Good. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you, you're tr- it's true. The thing is, we're also assuming that God promised a comfortable life if you were going to be good. Well, he said the exact opposite. He said, in the world you will have tribulation. It wasn't maybe, like, let's see how we go. It was actually, you will have tribulation. But, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Everyone's gone quiet. I'm not sure if that's fallen asleep or... Anything else? Any other comment, suggestion, question? Ron, how can we be so sure if our, plans,
1: sorry, not
0: our plans, if our wants coincide with God's wants? How can we be so sure if our wants coincide with God's wants? Can you say more? So like, for example, with friendships or with a job, things like that, and we really want it and we force ourselves and we go, we, we really want this, but God... In that equation, we don't know where God lies with that. Mm-hmm. How do we tell if that's, you know, if that's from us or from God? Oh, good question. How do I know if the voice inside me is God's voice or my voice? Yeah? Good question. There's also an assumption there. The first assumption is that God chooses one thing and not another. Meaning this job at that hospital and not that one the full-time job where you don't have to work as many hours so that you can serve after versus the full-time job that involves a lot of hard work and helps you work through your career. Really? Uh, let me use the other classic example. People say, "Oh, how do I know if it's God's will for me to marry this person? Mary's my best friend and she's the one that God chose for me to marry. But think, like, just think about this for a second. If I say, is this the right person, yes or no? And God has a yes, this person, no, not that person. What if one person messes it up? And marries the person I should have married? What happens then? (laughs) Doesn't that mean that everyone else is doomed to marry the wrong person? True or no? Does that make sense? So then, that assumption is wrong. It's It's a wrong assumption. How do I know if it's God's voice speaking in my life or my own voice? Very simple. If I'm in tune with who he is and I surrender before him, Lord, I have this option and that option. I go to that interview and I go to that interview. If I get offered both jobs, fine. Take the one that's better, that works better for your family circumstances, that works better in all aspects. I don't think God is as rigid with what he chooses for us as we think. Um... But he's very clear about how he wants us to live. He desires that we may, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments and take the job in the Northern Territory, it doesn't matter. Or stay here, no problem. Does that make sense? Let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we know what's right in our hearts and we think, but but what if, like, maybe, maybe it's not, like, <laughs> what, what if what if God says, yes to something else and if there, if there isn't that dilemma then it doesn't matter no problem for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God Romans 8.28 meaning he's saying no problem take this job and we'll make it work just live a holy life through it or that job if I went and said oh you know I really want to marry this person um, they're an unbeliever and and they're just, I don't know, things just... Like if every door is just kind of partly closing in your face and another door is kind of like half open and you're really, really like you're pushing doors open to try and make sure it's still the will of God, maybe there's a problem. Do you see what I'm saying? But if you don't have all of that, it doesn't really matter if I'm living my life with God. If I ask him every day, who are you, Lord? And then he tells me, and then I ask the second question, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to do this. Okay, I'll go and do it. And I'll keep doing it until he says otherwise. Is that too simple to be true? Sometimes I think we think so. I think sometimes we think the Christian life has to be so complicated, otherwise it can't be right. That's an assumption and it's wrong. Is that helpful? Any other quick comments? Carlos has another comment, just say, Is there anyone else who has another comment? If you hand your hand up and I totally walk past you because I can't see so clearly all the way back. No? Kiro? Go ahead. Um, Actually wait till I come to you. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Um, if, so if, for example, someone is going through a hard time yep. or I myself is going through a hard time, mm-hmm. right? And uh, how do I kind of calm myself or calm, especially if it's another person, yes. in a way that it doesn't sound like Job's friends that are hard, um, hard, um, yeah, yeah?
0: Sure. If I know someone who's going through a hard time, how do I comfort them without being Difficult, yeah. yeah? yeah.
1: Or, I going through a hard
0: time? or if I'm going through a hard time, how do I comfort myself? Yeah? yeah. Okay. You want me to come back? Okay, fine. Sorry, I'm just going for the for the mic. So they can. Okay, oh, back here. Um, so the question here is, how do I comfort someone, including myself, if I'm going through something difficult, without Really, without saying, like, the, 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 the Sunday school answers, yeah? Oh, but, but God, God is the one who chose this for you, or that, or whatever. Again, there's an assumption. The assumption is, I have to give an answer. How often have you been going through some, like, how, has this happened to you before? You're going through something rough, and someone comes and says something to you, and you kind of think, could you just have just, just not said anything and just been there with me? Anyone ever gone through that? Anyone ever thought, I just hope no one said anything, but just loved me, and was there to support me? The answer to your question, Kido, is I think, I think sometimes an answer is not necessary. Sometimes, just, sometimes words are so cheap, it's just, there's nothing to be said. Is that helpful? Maybe. Maybe not. Because if you oh, if it's to yourself, if well, we have the example of Saint Paul. The example of Saint Paul: something rough happened to him. He's just been, he's just been told that what he's been doing his whole life is wrong. Like you've just wasted your, you've just wasted your entire, however many years of your life. The question is very simple, Kiro. I need to ask God, who are you Lord? And then wait to, wait and wait long enough to hear an answer. And ask it again and again and again and ask what the, what the disciples asked to say Lord increase our faith. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's the it's the nicest thing to do. It's not. I think sometimes, sometimes we ask God questions and we're not, we're actually not open to hear the answers. And one of the examples of those is the rich young ruler. He tells him, good Lord, what Lord, so he says, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? Meaning, he's not saying, I'm not good, don't call me that. He's saying, why do you call me good? Is it because you want to hear back, oh, well done, good, good man, what are your intentions? He heard what he told him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What should I do to inherit eternal life? And he didn't do it. So it's not enough to ask the question. We have to ask the question and do something about it. Shall we stop there?
1: Yeah? Okay. Glory be to everyone.